Cade Mila Falta. Welcome to the Letter from Ireland show, where we travel in the footsteps of your Irish ancestors, visiting their homelands and telling their stories as they put down roots in so many places around the world. Welcome back to the Letter from Ireland show, Series 1, Episode 16. I'm Corina. And remember that any resources or references we mention in this episode can be found in the show notes at a letterfromireland.com forward slash 116. In the show, we like to visit the places of your Irish ancestors and bring their stories to life. Before we get started today, I want to thank you all so much for your attention, kind words and comments over the last while. There's an old saying we have in Irish and it goes, Gurian Bert Boher. This means two people shorten the road and we do feel that having your company here on the letter makes it a very enjoyable Irish heritage journey. Now, on with the show. Today's letters look at two brave, courageous men who stood up for their principles. When doing so, well, how could I put it? Uh, Let's say it did not win them any popularity contests. One was actually made a laughing stock of for his forward thinking ideas at the time. Would you like to know what was so funny? Well, the idea that had everybody laughing at him was that animals had rights and deserved to be treated humanely and with respect. What, I hear you say. I know, isn't it amazing how differently people felt about animals back in the 1800s? So in the first letter, we hear the story of a man who fought for the rights of animals at a period in history when people laughed at such things. His nickname was Humanity Dick, and more of him later. Now our second letter. I have to say at the outset that this is a very personal letter for me. We chat about a learned man with green fingers who impacted many young lives, but he had a special personal impact on my own life. And I look forward to telling you all about him in the second letter. So if you're ready, let's begin with our first letter entitled Give Protection to the Animals of the Land. Do you have a pet? Maybe you live on a farm and keep livestock. We ourselves had a dog and two cats up to quite recently. They lived long and happy lives in our family home. The cats were called Tabby and Coco. Two brothers, Coco was full of bravado and Tabby held back playing it safe. We didn't choose them really. They chose us. Mike and I came back after a night out to find that the babysitter had introduced our children to two furry baby kittens. And as they say, the rest is history. They moved houses with us and became part of the family, living happily to the ripe old age of 18 years. And that's a long time for a cat. Our dog Charlie, a Springer Spaniel, was part of the family too. He learned to behave around the cats and they sure showed him who was boss. He kept us healthy, demanding regular walks and rubs behind the ears. He loved us and we loved him. And you can't put a price on that. Well, one of our readers, Rob Hepburn from Northern California, he always shows up in the green room with a picture of himself and Petey, his loyal canine companion. So this week, we're going to tell the story of one of the Irish surnames in Rob's family tree. And through this surname, look at the link of one particular gentleman to a famous society 
that has done so much down the years for the advancement of animal welfare around the world. But first, let's have Rob introduce himself. Hi everyone, my name is Rob. I have the surnames Mulvaney, Martin on my mum's side and Dooley Hepburn on my dad's side. The Martins came from a farm in Westmeath, while the Mulvaneys from South Dublin City and Sligo before that. The Dooleys are from Waterford. The Hepburns might be from Donegal, but I'm not sure. I'm very happy to be part of this forum and thank you all. And that's how Rob introduced himself a while back in our Green Room Forum. Since then, actually, Mike and I have had the opportunity to meet Rob's Martin ancestors up there in Westmeath. Now, let's move on that, with that particular surname, Martin, and here comes the background history. One family in one tribe. Have you ever heard of the tribes of Galway? Well, they were a group of merchant families who established the city of Galway uh, around about the 13th century and from there onwards. The family names included Athai, Blake, Bodkin, Brown, Darcy, Dean, Font, French, Joyce, Kerwin, Lynch and Martin, Morris and Skerritt. Even today, you're going to find those flags of the families flying in the city's central square and adorning its many lanes, roads, and actually, I've actually seen them flying on the roundabouts. Over time, the family reach extended to acquire large estates across the counties of Galway, Mayo and Roscommon. Now, one of those families was the Martin family, and they set up country seats in Connemara, where they built the wonderful Ballina Hinch Castle in the 1600s, and it's still there today, as well as Dangan House in closer to the city of Galway. Richard Martin was born in Dangan House in 1754 to Robert Martin and Bridget Barnwell. His parents were both born as Catholics, but his father became a Protestant of convenience. Now, this allowed his family to hold on to their lands and enabled Richard to obtain an education in England, and eventually he became a Member of Parliament. These privileges, you see, would have been denied to somebody of the Roman Catholic faith right through the 1700s. So Richard remained a member of that parliament on and off up until 1826. Right, that's the background. So now let's move on to the man we mentioned at the beginning in the introduction. The birth of humanity, Dick. The Martins appear to have been well respected as landlords in their native Galway, Richard Martin was brought up with a really strong sense of duty and a care towards those less fortunate than himself. And this included all the creatures of the earth. He ran for Parliament fighting for Catholic emancipation and he must have been delighted when the penal laws came to be relaxed in the early 1800s and those penal laws were fully repealed by 1829. He also seemed to have an unusually humane attitude to animals through this time. He even went so far as entering a duel with a man who had shot a young wolfhound. Both the duelists were injured, not fatally, thank God. He often took to the Parliament floor, condemning the popular sport of animal baiting. Now, that was actually a favourite pastime of the gentleman then. He successfully proposed the ill-treatment of Cattle Bill in 1822, 
and that became known later as the Martins Act. This was the very first piece of legislation, probably anywhere in the world, that recognised the rights of an animal to be treated in a humane manner. Wasn't that wonderful? Martin gave speeches on the streets, he condemned bear and dog baiting, and he was often laughed and booed off his soapbox for that. King George went so far as to give him the questionable nickname of Humanity Dick. Slowly but surely, things changed, and it seemed that Martin's unpopular agitation for animal rights was beginning to be heard by other members of British society. If you're ever in London one of these days, do head to St. Martin's Lane in Covent Garden. There is a plaque outside number 77 commemorating the founding of the Society of Prevention of Cruelty to Animals in that very building in 1824. One of the three organisers of that meeting on that illustrious day was our very own Richard Martin MP. On that night, he co-founded a society that eventually became known as the RSPCA and laid down the model for animal welfare societies around the world. Richard Humanity Dick Martin was exiled to France shortly afterwards for his colourful life. Um, And I'm sure, you know, that could become a film someday in the future. He died there in 1834. The family seat and lands in Connemara passed from the Martin family shortly after his death. So Rob... And Petey, your dog, I hope you enjoyed that story of one member of the Irish Martins who had such a strong and lasting influence on the way we conduct ourselves as a society today. Who knows? He may even be tied into your own Westmeath Martin branch. Do you have any Martins in your family tree? Or maybe one of the surnames of those illustrious tribes of Galway? If so, do drop me a comment. I'd love to know. And so that brings us to the end of our first letter. Did you enjoy hearing about Humanity Dick? Reading that letter reminded me of one of our Green Room members whom I had the pleasure of meeting on the Ancestral Trail in Canada. His name is Jack Coffey and he's another man who cares very much for animals. In his case, he has a special love of cats. He spends his spare time building shelters for stray cats. I've seen the Finnish homes and they are very impressive made mostly from recycled materials, and I'm sure they're much appreciated by the cats, given the severity of those Canadian winters. I guess we're surrounded by inspirational people, but sometimes in life, someone really special comes along whose memory stays with you long after your paths have diverged. Have you ever met someone like that, who's had a great impact on your life, someone whom you're glad that your paths in life cross no matter how briefly? One such person is the subject of our second letter today. An Irish mentor. One forename, one surname and one very special man. I received the sad news a while back of the passing of an old friend and mentor of mine, Brother Angelus of the Presentation Brothers here in Cork City. He was also known as Edmund Ned Fitzpatrick. Edmund is a boy's name that features strongly in the southeast of Ireland, especially among the Irish Norman families such as the Butlers, Roach, Power and Fitzgeralds. Maybe you have an Edmund in your own family tree. Back in time, there was an old kingdom in Ireland that covered what is known today as County Kilkenny, and it also covered a fair part of County Leash. It was known as and inhabited by the Ossery. 
That's spelled O-S-R-A-I-G-E in Irish, meaning people of the deer. For a thousand years, they had carved out this land between the warring kingdoms of Munster and Leinster. They were also at the forefront of much of Ireland's history, as their land was one of the first visited by the Vikings and then later the Normans. Gilla Podrick, and that's spelt G-I-L-L-A-P-A with a long line over it, which makes a father sound, long sound, D-R-A-I-C. So Gilla Podrick was the name of their king in the late 1900s, and his descendants assumed the surname of Mach Gilla Podrick, meaning Mach, son of the followers of Patrick, whose surname came first when, when surnames first came into use in Ireland. The other dominant families of the Osri were O'Brennan, O'Brody, Broderick, O'Carroll, O'D, O'Dumphy, O'Horahan, O'Keely, O'Keevney, MacBreen, and O'Feelan or O'Whelan, as it's sometimes called. Do you recognize any of those family names? Maybe you're one of the Ossery. The Gillipaudrigs and the Ossery were at the forefront of the Norman invasion after 1170 AD. Much of their land was acquired by the arriving Norman families. You can read all about the Normans and Fitzpatricks in this part of Ireland in Connor Costick's brilliant book, was written as a novel, called Strongbow, The Norman Invasion of Ireland. I highly recommend it. However, the Machgilla Fodrigs still prevailed and remained dominant in this area for hundreds of years after the arrival of the Normans. In 1537, they were granted the barony of Upper Ossery and the family assumed the English surname of Fitzpatrick for the very first time. They became the only Irish Gaelic family to use Fitz as part of their surname. By the mid-1600s, the power of the Fitzpatricks and most of the old Norman families was on the wane in this part of the country, and their name and people spread over many parts of Ireland. However, it still retains a strong number of their original territories, so they're really found quite a lot in counties Kilkenny, Leash, Carlow, Watford and Tipperary. And my mentor and dear friend Edmund Ned Fitzpatrick was one of those descendants, and he was from Newcastle in the south of County Tipperary. At the age of 17, he decided to take up orders as a presentation brother, and he eventually became known as Brother Angelus, and that's how I knew him. One sunny day, back in 1980s, I strolled down the Mardike in Cork City and arrived at the school where Angelus was principal. Um, if I explain to you, at the time in Ireland, it had very high unemployment, and as a young teacher fresh out of college, I had no hope of a job. However, Angelus introduced me to his staff saying, here's a young girl looking for a start. You were like her not so long ago. Let's see if we can find her some work. Needless to say, I was thrilled at this reception and first worked in the school as a substitute teacher, but soon proved my mettle and became a permanent member of staff at that school. Angelus was a tall man with a soft voice and he had the huge hands of his farming ancestors. Everywhere he went, he brought a love of gardening and the cultivation of flowers and vegetables. What I remember most about him was the way he embodied the ethos of the presentation order. His sense of service, obedience, community and strong focus of the growth and potential of others were all plain to see. 
Whenever he walked into our staff room, the conversation moved up a tone or two, as he was probably one of the most learned men I had met, but also humble and curious enough to be a true listener. He used to mysteriously say to me, one day I'll be gone, like an Arab packing up his tent in the night. And so he did disappear one day from our staff, only to turn up again as principal of Milltown School in County Kerry. Well, Cork's loss was Milltown's gain. Over the next year, Milltown experienced the Angelus effect, as the windows of the town were brought alive with the most beautiful flowers, all cultivated and boxed up by Angelus in his spare time. I really, really enjoyed meeting that man. And so it is, people come into our lives and touch us in a way that we both treasure and remember. They move on, but they leave something very precious behind them, something that makes us a better person through their wisdom, guidance, kindness and compassion. They were all the qualities that Brother Angelus shared generously with myself and many others through a long life of serving others. Rest in peace, Brother Angelus Edmund Ned Fitzpatrick of the Ossery. You have left the world a better place for your presence. I must say I really enjoyed reading the letters to you today. I hope you enjoyed hearing them. They brought to mind people who have impacted our lives in a positive way and made the world a better place for us all. How about you? Do you have someone who acts or acted as a mentor in your own life? Someone you look, who looked out for you as you took your first steps into the workforce? When my daughter recently started a new job in London, I advised her to look for someone she admired and aspired to. But, as they say, you can't put an old head on young shoulders. And I know I was lucky to have Brother Angelus in my life for a short while as I took those fledgling steps in my first career. Well, that's all we have time for this week. I do hope you've enjoyed listening to the Letter from Ireland show where we bring your Irish ancestry to life. Next time, we take a look at Irish names. Maybe you you are on the lookout for an Irish name for your children or grandchildren. Or would you like to know the meaning of some Irish names? We'll provide you with some ideas and inspiration there in our next show. So until then, thanks for listening. And finally, remember the show notes for this podcast are available at a letterfromireland.com forward slash 116. Just before we go, thanks again for listening. And if you have enjoyed today's Letter from Ireland show, we invite you to check out our special membership area called The Green Room. You can find full details of The Green Room at a letterfromireland.com forward slash green room. And remember there, green room is all one word. The Green Room is the essential resource for anyone at any stage in researching their Irish heritage. It's where we delve into all the good stuff to help you break down those brick walls and connect the pieces in your Irish ancestry puzzle. You get access to online genealogists, extensive research tools, quick win training, as well as member-only access to johngrenham.com and a supportive, active community to help you along the way with feedback and advice. The Green Room is the perfect place to be for anyone starting or continuing their Irish ancestry search. So do come and join us at a letterfromireland.com forward slash green room. Well, that's it for me. And I'll be back next week with another installment of the Letter from Ireland show. Look forward to chatting with you then. Slán Karina. <laughs>